Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting, and we are your hosts for today's episode. Devin, training camp has finally arrived for both our football teams and the rest of the NFL. All 32 NFL teams are currently in the middle of training camp as we speak. I believe both the Panthers and the Saints had their first practice sessions today. Um, and I am looking forward to actually going to a Panthers training camp practice next week. So I know a few people are going to be down there that I know from Twitter. So I'm looking forward to meeting up with them and also maybe just meeting some potential followers that I have on my Twitter at that practice. So very much looking forward to getting my first true look at Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. So Devin, how have you been, my man? What have you been up to? Pretty good, man. Um, you know, really starting to, to dive back into uh, college football and, and getting prepared for uh, the upcoming season, and freshening up on some some prospects, and you know, just also keeping a look or you know eye on some of the um, you know rookies from the 2022 NFL draft class as well. Um, a couple of receivers making big plays like Traylon Burks for the Titans had a, a really nice long reception i think today and um i want to say romeo dubs as well i think you sent that uh in our blue chip scouting group romeo dubs having a, a really good practice for the packers as well so a couple guys that uh you know we both talked about you know on the podcast and, and just in general um you know really making some you know headlines early on so uh you know really excited to you know kind of get back into it and, and see everything unfold yeah, man. And, you know, I, I'm very much looking forward to the prospects that, you know, will be playing this season, what they'll do during their rookie seasons. You know, we'll see even late rounders get plenty of uh, more significant snaps than we expected, um, like Romeo Dubs, for for example. Um, and one player I want to mention is uh, Trayvon Walker, uh, the first overall pick from this past draft. He's going to be playing under defensive lineman coach Brenton Buckner, who who has had a really good history of developing defensive linemen and those defensive linemen becoming successful. And I believe, you know, Buckner is, it will definitely help out Trayvon Walker in his development. Now, Jacksonville Jaguars fans or will kind of be excited to hear that, but also there will be other fans who be like, why? Well, would Jacksonville even be a great place for any player to develop? They're not a good franchise. Well, a lot of it comes down to coaching and coaching for in Jacksonville for years has not really been great. Now it seems like they actually have a competent coaching staff, especially with Doug Peterson as the head coach. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Trayvon Walker does his rookie year, how much of an impact he has and I think Trayvon Walker has the potential to be a very good player in this league. It'll just depend on how he responds to the coaching and also how well he develops his rookie year. If he actually puts together a legitimate pass rush plan, this is going to be a really good player. And he has all the traits you look for, like in terms of size, athletic profile, length, uh, run stopping ability like he he has that 
the pass rush ability is the only question mark. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's go ahead and get into some of the storylines for both of our teams. First off, I want actually, Devin, I want to go ahead and start with you with the New Orleans Saints. There's a certain player that did return today who at one point was considered one of the best wide receivers in the league. And I believe Silk holds the current single season record for receptions in a year. Yeah, Michael Thomas returned uh, today for Saints practice. And, you know, it finally for, you know, first time in, in quite some time now, you have a healthy Michael Thomas. And, you know, you, you talked with reporters after, uh, you know, about where his mind was and, and just where he was feeling. And, you know, he seems like he's, you know, back on, you know, kind of his 2019 mindset when he had a record-breaking season. So we'll see uh, as things continue to wrap up. Today was, for him, it was just mostly running routes on air. You know, that, that was kind of the main thing he did today. He didn't do any team activities or – uh, or was in any of the drills, but, you know, got activated off the pup list after going up, I think, right before the weekend. And, uh, you know, it's great news for the Saints offense. You, you already got uh, Jarvis Landry through free agency, Chris Olave, um, you know, obviously first-round pick. And now you get Michael Thomas back. And, and really, now everyone is kind of shifting to the roles that, that you would need for a successful receiver core. So it's very exciting for the Saints right now. And, you know, as he continues to ramp up his workouts, I'm sure we'll see a lot more videos about him. What other things do you think that fans are interested in seeing with the Saints this year? Like, what are some things that they should keep an eye on with the New Orleans Saints going into this season, other than the return of Michael Thomas and uh, the selection of Chris Olave? For sure. Um, you look at the defensive end slot and, and Cam Jordan, you know, getting up there in age, we'll see what kind of production he has this season. Marcus Davenport uh, had a partially amputated finger, so he's still out right now on the pup list. So that, that's a, another underlying storyline, someone that's going to be in a contract year. Um, he was getting to that point where the Saints are going to have to make a decision pretty soon on if they're going to give him that fifth-year option or, you know, just keep it as is, have him on the franchise tag, you know, trade on. I mean, they could do a, a myriad of things depending on his health this season. So that's going to be another big storyline. And then uh, the linebackers, uh, the Mario Davis, he's still still playing at a high level. But when are some of the younger guys going to step up and, and be kind of next to him in that role? So, you know, looking at Pete Warner uh, from Ohio State a couple of years ago, a guy that I really like coming out. Um, of last year's class in 2021, but you also have Zach Bond, who I believe is a 2019 uh, NFL draft pick, and or, or 2020, I believe. I, I'll have to go back and look at that. I but think it was he, 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's now entering uh, year three, and, and we'll see what is going to be deployed because you know he played kind of that uh, hybrid role at Wisconsin, uh, being a outside linebacker, but. Uh, you know, kind of be that off-ball, uh, you know, defender at the college level and, and saying they're trying to do much of the same, but, you know, get him more stacked in the box. So we'll, we'll see if he makes strides this year, who, who really steps up in, in that uh, will linebacker role with, obviously, uh, DeMario Davis at, at Mike. 
Um, and then you look at the secondary additions, the safeties. Uh, Marcus May, Tyron Matthew, uh, two free agent signings. You also got Darren, Daniel Sorensen as a dev piece. So how do those guys perform? P.J. Williams was working at safety for the Saints, too. So uh, you got a lot of storylines defensively, you know, and, and obviously uh, once the kind of the narrative shifts from Michael Thomas, now you look at the offensive line, what does Trevor Penning do? I feel like he's been kind of the most underrated name right now uh, for the Saints and, and People haven't talked about as much as you as you figured they they might would with with such a, a huge hole to fill at left tackle. So, you know, it's kind of the gist of, of what Saints fans are looking at and, and have to monitor going into the season. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see Tyron Matthew in a New Orleans Saints uniform. I know Panther fans will be like, "Oh gosh, we're gonna have to deal with Tyron Matthew this year." You know what? As a Panthers fan, I just appreciate the talent in this division. There's so much talent in this division other than, well, Kyle Pitts, Deion Jones, and A.J. Terrell with the Falcons. That's all they have. <laughs> Sadly, that's all they have. Uh, no disrespect to any other the younger players on that team. It's not a good roster. It's not a really good roster, man. But the Saints, the Panthers – Buccaneers, of course, they just added Julio Jones, but I mean, Julio Jones is probably not going to be as impactful as he once was. You know, Julio Jones, we all know he's a Hall of Fame receiver, but right now at this point of his career, he's had an injury history. He's been dealing with injuries the last couple of seasons. He's probably going to be their number four wide receiver, which is crazy to say. Um, no, he does. That doesn't mean he's a bad receiver by any means, but I, I think it just means you know he's at that point in his career well it where you know he he's he can be a good depth piece for someone but also can't show some flashes of his former self um and you know they're, they're going to be fans freaking out oh gosh we got to deal with julio jones now more than likely, he will come in in certain situations. Maybe if they go two by two, um, go long. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly, exactly. Mike I mean, Evans and Julio Jones on the right. Saints. So, bro, Julio Jones and Mike Evans on the same team. The thought of that a few years ago would have just been mind-boggling. And for for some casual fans that have kept up with the NFL and still see Julio Jones as still a really good receiver. They're freaking out that Tampa Bay now is stacked at wide receiver, but really I, I don't think Julio Jones is that guy anymore. It's Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Those two receivers are those guys in that room. Um, they added Russell Gage, who's performed pretty well, uh, especially when he was in Atlanta. So I, I'm very excited to see that Tampa Bay office, especially with Julio, what does Julio look like potentially fully healthy throughout the season? And, of course, if injuries do occur, he could end up being their number three or even number two receiver. So that's always a possibility, and that's one thing that we should keep an eye on with Tampa Bay next year. Yeah, Chris Godwin, uh, I don't think he's confirmed going to be – back at the start of the season or not. So I think mm -hmm. that's something to monitor too, um, where Julio could get more opportunities early on than we expect. So I think for them at the very least, um, since I, I believe 
I'm not sure when Chris Godwin got hurt. I think he got hurt the – I can't remember what game he got hurt, but I know he, he had surgery in, in November or December, so um, he might be a while getting back, and, and I think Julio Jones could probably um, see a lot more touches and, you know, play kind of that Antonio Brown role uh, where yeah. you get the, those one-on-one matchups that you just favor him. You know, you know, he can still win at his age. So I expect a lot of, uh, for him, you know, he's going to gonna be employed, you know, in those like deep crossing and, and deep end routes and, you know, let him get some yak opportunities because he still has yeah. some juice left. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly not like a wide receiver one type of, you know, production right from him. No. And the difference between Julio Jones and Antonio Brown is that Julio Jones is not just going to go berserk and just take his shirt off and run off the field in the middle of the game. Yeah. You're, you're getting uh, <laughs> a quality receiver uh, without the off-the-field antics. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For sure. At least Tampa Bay doesn't have to deal with that type of distraction anymore. And honestly, like as, as someone that has appreciated Antonio Brown, the talent, I, I really don't want to go too far into it or ramble on with it. But I really do hope Antonio Brown gets some sort of help because he just does not seem mentally in check at all. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into the Carolina Panthers storylines. I want to go ahead and talk about some of the bigger storylines with the Carolina Panthers. Of course, Baker Mayfield, who was recently traded to the Carolina Panthers a few weeks ago at the beginning of the month. He is, he just had his first practice as a Carolina Panther. Um, of course, you had the mixed reviews, um, of course, with someone that just signed or just got traded to the team, doesn't have a lot of chemistry with the with the wide receivers um, from both second and first team. You know, it, it's it, it's it, it's expected for Baker Mayfield to kind of struggle the first few practices. It's not going to be like he's going to come in and connect easily. Like he was wide on – on a, on a throw against air throwing to DJ Moore like like the timing it's not going to be there immediately i guarantee you by the time i get there next week it will probably be a lot better and we could see a lot more baker mayfield playing first team and that rule said today wednesday that baker mayfield would be getting first team reps on Thursday. So we'll be seeing him with the first team, how he does with the first team, how the timing goes with that first team as well. But also there seems to be this competition, quote unquote, between Mayfield, Darnold and Matt Corral. And I'm like, sure, I guess this is what we could call a storyline. Sure. Why not? You know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to be completely honest. The whole idea of Baker Mayfield having to compete for the starting job when when it's quite clear he's the best quarterback in that room is beyond me. Beyond me. We've seen what Sam Darnold has done on the field. Sure, Sam Darnold is going to have some great practice sessions. I don't I don't doubt that for a minute. The timing is probably going to be better with these receivers because he spent more time with them. Matt Corral is probably going to flash a little bit, but be inconsistent. I mean, that's what you expect from a rookie. Baker Mayfield, timing is off, of course. I mean, come on. What are we doing, Matt Rule? 
go ahead and just put Baker Mayfield or just name him the starter already. There, there's no debate. How are we making this a competition? Is it's driving me crazy. But anyways, there is a quote unquote competition between the three players. And of course, Baker Mayfield is is expected to be the starter. I think this is just more the Panthers trying to get Baker to be a little bit competitive in practice, trying to get the whole team to be competitive in practice because it's an open competition everywhere. Um, and and rule and Scott Fitter have both said this. This will be an open competition, but it even though from the reports that I saw, even though it. The timing is off between the receivers, all that. It is quite clear that Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback in that room, especially on the field today. So how he does with the first team will be interesting. I want to see how he does there. But, you know, a couple other things that really caught my eye was I do follow some Panther fans on Twitter. And some of them were attending the practice. and. They all were saying like the energy and the feel around training camp or being at practice just felt different than it had in past years. Like it hasn't felt this energetic probably since 2018 when Panthers almost had a really good team that year before falling off the face of the earth halfway through that season. And you know, that gets me excited as a fan, but also I kind of want to pump the brakes on it because I don't want to disappoint myself when things go haywire, which I do expect it to go haywire because, of course, this is a Matt Rule-led football team. It's not going to be great. So do I think the Panthers will do well this year? I really do hope they do, especially with Baker Mayfield, at quarterback, and if he can – take that next step and be the quarterback we saw in 2020. But right now, I'm still a little hesitant. I'm still saying seven to nine wins, at least six wins. Because I still have question marks on the offensive line. Can that group hold it together? Can they get a consistent pass rush, especially with no true number two edge rusher? Is their linebacker depth enough? Will Christian McCaffrey stay healthy? Will pick, I mean, there's so many question marks on this team to say this is going to be a good team. So another thing that I want to bring up is that J.C. Horn is on the physically unable to perform list. He got put on it today, but it was more a precautionary move by Matt Rule because Horn was feeling some soreness during conditioning yesterday, um, and they, they just – Wanted to keep Horn off the field until the soreness went went away. So I don't I don't see really an issue with that, but at the same time, he missed most of the season last year with a broken foot. And you know, could injuries end up affecting his career? I really hope it doesn't because JC Horn is a very talented football player who some coaches have said might be the most talented player in that room, in the entire defensive room. So if Horn can stay healthy, that defense is going to get a lot better. 
So th- those are a couple things to keep an eye on. The Baker Mayfield, Sam Donald, Matt Corral competition, quote unquote. And also JC Horn being on the physically unable to perform list. The offensive lines is another thing to really keep an eye on. Can that group mesh together? Will Akeem Iguanu actually start at left tackle? Because there's there's again another quote unquote competition at left guard and left tackle between Brady Christensen and Akeem Iguanu. So that's something to keep an eye on with the Panthers. Um Devin, do you have anything you you're curious about with the Panthers and all that you want me to kind of clear up? Um, I guess from uh, the receiver room, I think DJ Moore, you know, is someone obviously that, that a lot of people are keeping their eyes on. Um, you know, Terrence Marshall is another player that, you know, people are waiting to see, you know, what's he going to do in, in this upcoming season. So I guess from, from your, your standpoint, what does the uh, receiver look, look like right now and, and kind of the progression they're making? I, I, You know, of course, DJ Moore, he's the number one receiver on this team, no doubt about it. The question mark really is, like, from receiver two down. I feel like receiver two, no doubt about it, is Robbie Anderson. There are fans out there, though, that continue to say Robbie Anderson's not good anymore. He sucked last year. Yes, Anderson did struggle last season. But the year before that, the year that he was able to earn that new extension, he had 1,000 yards with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. With Baker Mayfield at quarterback, he could end up having similar production. Like, Robbie Anderson is a very talented receiver. There's no doubt about that. He is their best deep threat receiver right now. I think he will have a better season. I think you'll see more consistency from him. I don't think you're going to see the drops we saw from last year. I think those will go away. So I'm not too concerned with Robbie Anderson. There will be competition at slot receiver. Who will be their starting slot receiver, whether that's Rashad Higgins or Terrace Marshall Jr., their second-round pick from last year? That's going to be an interesting competition and something I'm looking forward to seeing next week when I go down there and also throughout training camp and the preseason, you know, Higgins and Mayfield, they've had that connection since their times in Cleveland. Um, They've had a really good connection since 2018 when both of them were really just like really hitting it off on the field. So, you know, Higgins has that advantage because of his relationship and chemistry with Baker Mayfield, Terrace Marshall on the other hand, though, an incredibly talented receiver who could end up being the future number two guy on this team. He underperformed last season, didn't didn't get a lot of targets, but I do believe he will have a much bigger impact this season. Um, I I do think they're going to try to platoon that slot receiver spot this season because of the talent they have there. They have Higgins, they have Terrace Marshall. You'll see Brandon Zilstra get reps at slot receiver. So that group, it's a good issue to have because you do have talent there, but also guys that you believe, or at least the coaching staff believes, can be very impactful for this group. And especially Ben McAdoo's offense where they are – it sounds like they're going to try to spread it out a little bit, let Baker play in the shotgun, let him get the ball out quickly. 
And that's kind of where Baker can succeed more is getting the ball quickly. Like he, we saw that at Oklahoma when he was coming out of there. Heisman Trophy winner, all that. If Ben McAdoo can kind of kind of implement some of that offense, some of that OU offense into his offense for Baker Mayfield, I think Baker Mayfield's going to be in a good spot, and especially if he has Higgins or even Terrace Marshall as his wide receiver. So they're going to be more spread out. You're going to see guys. You're going to see a more expanded route tree, I believe. Um, and you're going to see a much more quick rhythm attack offense with, especially with these receivers and potentially Mayfield starting at quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, outside of just our teams and we kind of touched on it at the beginning of the, uh, the episode, um, you know, there's a lot of storylines going, you know, around the NFL and, you know, not only, you know, just with in between teams, but, but you know, the ranking of quarterbacks, of course, people, you know, always put out these, these lists at this yeah. time. And, yeah. We gotta just sift through the, sift through the nonsense. Yeah. So, yeah. So an article came out, I believe. Let me look up the date real quick. It was on the 25th. So that was Monday of a NFL quarterback tiers list. And um, Mike Sando was the writer of this article or of this piece. So basically 50 NFL coaches and executives kind of did a survey with the help of Sando, kind of just like voting the tiers, the rankings of the top fit of like the top 32 to 40 quarterbacks in this league. So there were some interesting comments here about several of the quarterbacks, including Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Um, I Let me go ahead and read the quote I have. Let me pull it up here, actually. Um, of what this one coach had said or this one voter had said about Patrick Mahomes. Um, we love Patrick. We love Mahomes because, because of his unorthodox throws, not because of his natural pocket presence. And when that disappears, that is when they lose games. I don't think that is a one, a tier of one quarterback. I think that is a tier two quarterback. Nothing against the guy. I love the kid, but take his first read away, and what he and what does he do? He runs, he scrambles, and he plays street ball. Really, really. I I, I want to mention. So, Patrick Mahomes was on a uninterrupted the shop with LeBron James, all that. I I tend to watch those all the time. I think those are really cool to watch. And he mentioned something. I believe it was right after the Super Bowl, after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl uh, a few years ago. And he said that 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 past season, 
was the first time he was truly reading defenses. Like he was starting to actually understand and read defenses. I remember screenshotting one quote, tweeting on it, and it ended up blowing up. But there was one quote where, like, I think it was his rookie year. He was sitting on the bench with Pat, with Alex Smith, and the coaches were pointing out something, and one of them asked what Mahomes would do in this certain concept or this certain situation. And, and I do quote, and excuse my language, but Mahomes basically said, fuck it, I just throw at the post. And I was like, this dude is amazing, absolutely amazing. But the crazy thing was he wasn't really reading coverages, like going through his progressions until like mid, like through most of his, I believe it was his second year, which they won the Super Bowl. Or no, was it? Yeah, it was. The second year that Mahomes was a full-time starter, most of the way through that season, he actually started to go through his progressions and not really just like looking to see who like the open guy was. That's all he was doing. Now he's reading defenses. Now he's going through his progressions. And that just makes him a much more dangerous quarterback than he already is. And that comment made by whoever this anonymous coach or voter is, I'm like, what what are we looking at? Are we all looking at the same film? Apparently, we're not because apparently this guy thinks Mahomes can't read the defense worth a shit. So, Devin, talk talk me through this. Is Devin not Devin? Is Mahomes a one read quarterback? Is he? It sounds like he is. I I, I don't. What are we doing? Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, it, it's just one of those things for training camp. There's always something, you know, a couple summers ago we had the Aaron Donald can't defend the run. Um, you know, kind of <laughs> narrative. So so Every year we, we have a contrarian that, that just wants to go against what everyone's saying. Like, it, you can watch a Patrick Mahomes film for about three plays and figure out he he reads defenses you know it's it's not he's not just a one read guy you know he, he can I know sometimes he you know runs around the pocket and, and sometimes he doesn't really have to but that's just his play style you're just gonna go and try and make the play so you know the fact that we're still having this discussion in 2022 I mean we had one of the greatest football games in playoff history between Mahomes and Allen and there, there is no way you can score that many points in a game just going through one read. For a team that literally prepared and got offseason acquisitions to match up with their receivers, and they still couldn't do it. So, I mean, you know, this, this narrative is, is insane, man. You know, it, it seems like every year, you know, obviously we're, we saw what, what they were all about Lamar Jackson and, you know, basically saying Josh Allen's the better version of them and, and all those different things. It, it's just – the, the noise around Lamar Jackson this summer has just been, you know, ridiculous. So, so, so. Let, me re- let me read the quote that one defensive coordinator had to say about Lamar Jackson on this tier list, and I'm sure everyone's already re- read it on, tw- on their Twitter timeline. So this is basically what it says. This defensive coordinator said, if he has to pass to win the game, 
they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's he's a really good football player, but I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a tier one quarter or a tier one player as a quarterback. He'll be a tier one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. So many games come down to two minutes, two minute offense. And that is why they have a hard time advancing, even when they are good on defense. Playoffs are tight. You have to be able to throw the ball, and he is just so inconsistent throwing the ball. It is hit or miss. Also, this narrative about him not being able to throw the football consistently, just, oh, man. Like, I, I feel like at this point, these guys are just fake. Like, these are fake quotes. These are just made up. They can't be real. But I feel like, sadly, they probably aren't. You know, and we we're doing this all the time with Lamar Jackson. It it sounds it sounds so similar to what we were doing with Cam Newton, like saying all similar things, similar things. Even after his MVP year, similar things. I'm like, hmm, why is that? Why is that? You know, like De- Devin. It feels like I know I'm. For some fans, it might be a sensitive or a political topic, but come on, man. We're, we're trying to make all black quarterbacks trying to – like they. it seems like they have to be perfect to every little tiny thing just to be a, considered a tier one quarterback or even one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like it ticks me off that we're still doing this in 2022. But at the same time, it's not surprising, sadly. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an every year thing now. But I think, you know, more than ever, you know, everyone kind of recognized what's, what's happening. And, you know, it's, you know, Lamar Jackson is, is going to do some, some great things this season. And, and it's going to quiet the noise. I mean, he's already, you know, I know his training camp videos, but just right before I logged, you know, before we started this, saw him connect on the back shoulder dime down the field. So, you know, all the noise is just going to be noise at this point. And, yeah. you know, to me, I think this is the best part of the offseason because then once you get midway through the season, you know, it's going to be people that pretend like they didn't say these things. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a never-ending cycle. We're going to go through this every year. And it's just – it's annoying, but at the same time, the people need the clicks. You know, they need, need the content. It is what it is. But here's the thing with Lamar Jackson. He can be a very accurate quarterback. He is shown to be an accurate quarterback. He is a very good passer. He is shown to be a very good passer. He can toss the ball downfield with ease, like a little flick of the wrist, and it's gone 40 yard, gone 50, 60 yards downfield. He has the arm talent. He, on top of his amazing running ability, like he is a tier, like a god tier athlete, basically. The talent is there. He may end up, he may end up having a few more MVPs, more likely. I think he will. He's what, 25 years old, 24, 25 years old, and he's already won a league MVP. 
there's no doubt in my mind this kid is going to be very, very good for a very long time and be a dominant force in the NF in the NFC North for a long time. And also you got Joe Burrow in that division, and you got that guy at in Cleveland at quarterback. And also, hopefully, the Steelers found their guy in Kenny Pickett. So the future is bright in the in the AFC North. They have great quarterbacks, except Kenny Pickett. But they, they have great quarterbacks. Um, and the rest of the AFC, they're loaded. Like, there are so many talented quarterbacks in this league, especially in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes is going to be – is on his way to being an all-time great, maybe – one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He could, could be the greatest quarterback of all time, potentially, if he continues at the pace he's going right now. Lamar Jackson could end up being one of the more special players we have seen in, in this league for years to come. He's, I think he's already there, to be honest with you. And if Jackson ends up having a great season as a passer in the next year or two, people are just going to say, oh, He's a great passer, yada, yada, yada. Great runner, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like, we're going to get to that point. But, of course, there's still going to be fans that will say he's still not a good passer, even though the stats will probably end up proving otherwise. So, you know, there are plenty of storylines to keep up in the league. How Russell Wilson's going to mesh in Denver, how, you know, how Jacksonville's going to look with Doug Peterson as head coach. Um, trying to think of some other ones off the top of my head. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. It's now his team in San Francisco. How will he look as the starter there going forward? I think Trey Lance is going to have a great season. I think he's bound for a really good season. He's a very talented player. You're going to see mistakes, but for some really odd reason, this transition from Garoppolo to Lance feels very eerily like going from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, if we see – I'm gut feeling, man. I, I feel like we're going to see the same thing. Jimmy Garoppolo ends up having a solid season as a starter, ends up being moved on in the offseason. Trey. Trey Lance comes in, ends up being a star in this league. He has the talent. We've seen the talent. We've seen it in practice. Can he mesh it together? I hope so because he is one hell of a talent. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. I'm trying to think of some other ones. How will Jalen Hurts end up doing? How will Mike McDaniels and the Miami Dolphins look this season? They have Tyreek Hill. They have Jalen Waddle. They hopefully maybe have an improved Tua Tagovailoa. We'll see. You know, and also college football is coming up in a few weeks. We're a month away from week zero. So there's so football's coming back. Um, I believe the Hall of Fame game is coming up within the next two weeks, two weeks from Sunday. So or bah, two weeks from Sunday. So we're almost there, Devin. We're so close. We're so close to seeing guys like hit each other on the football field. And like we're just finally getting away from all this off-season talk and just focusing on just talking about what happened from this past week, what to look forward to the upcoming week in the NFL season. So I'm really looking forward to that. Do you have anything else you want to mention before we head out? <clears throat> no, just, um, you know, really excited to see how the season unfolds. I know 
uh, you know, one other storyline I'm looking at is, uh, you know, the Jets offensive line situation moving back in mm-hmm. full time to right tackle. So I think that's going to be interesting to see if that kind of helps solve their, solves their problems on the offensive line and uh, if he can stay healthy. But, you know, the, the potential is certainly there for the Jets to take a step forward and, and you know, try and contend in that AFC East. I know they have a, a tough go or coming up this season, but, you know, if they can make some strides, I think, you know, the future looks bright in, in New York if, if they can keep things rolling. Jets have so many nice pieces, man, especially on like Zach Wilson. They have Michael Carter in the backfield. Um, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Jeremy Rucker potentially is their future tight end. Hopefully, Makai Becton can stay healthy and end up being a good right tackle. I think they have a couple of pieces on defense that could be very good. Sauce Gardner in the secondary, Ashton Davis, like they, they have guys, they have guys to work with. I think the Jets are a team that are the way they're being built by Joe Douglas. I think they're a couple years away. I really do. They're a team that will finally, hopefully one day in my lifetime, at least maybe in the next 10 years, win a Super Bowl. I really do hope so. Um, And that's definitely a team to watch this season in terms of how how do they progress from the past season or two Will they end up making that next step and maybe actually winning more than four or five games this year? So I'm very much looking forward to that. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy talking about storylines coming into training camp. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk about some summer scouting. And as we're starting to wrap up summer scouting, we're a month away from week zero. Um, I'll be done with summer scouting probably past that probably by the time week one of the college football season rolls around. So we're, we're almost done, man. We're almost done with summer scouting. We're almost done getting a look at some of the potential prospects for the 2023 NFL draft and see how they do this coming season. Again, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace.